0: We're we'll gonna be speaking out of uh, Philippians 4 today. And so you can start working your way there. Uh, we we'll be reading verses 10 through 13. But when we think about something like contentment, I feel like this is such an important topic to hit right before the season we're about to go into, Thanksgiving and Christmas, and, and Steph kind of alluded to that. Uh, but you know, Sundays like this are often hard for me to, to kind of really hone in on a topic because we're in between series and so I start with this idea of I need to speak on something in here and that's my starting point point. and so it takes a lot of prayer and listening to kind of settle on that that topic or that verse and this was weeks in the making and, and over and over again I kept hearing speak on contentment and being content in the Lord because I do believe that becomes a powerful part of our testimony in a world and a culture that largely is dissatisfied and discontent. And not only is that practiced, but it's, it's also encouraged that we are always discontent with where we are and that we're striving for more and better and new. And as uh, Steph had showed, there's these catalogs that go out and in in every uh, phase and form of life we're bombarded with billions of dollars of marketing power telling us that what we have and who we are is not good enough. That we need to be striving for more and always in that spirit of dissatisfaction. And we see the statistics that are available to us today, and especially as you grow younger, these things are more true, that, that even the amount of time you work a job is, is an average of 2.8 years, that people are always looking for the new job and the new boss and the new income, that there's a new home purchase, that the average uh, uh, lifespan of home ownership is five years, that people are moving from their homes every five years. The average credit card debt uh, per family is $6,500, and and largely speaking, those finances are elective purchases. It's things they don't need, and so they they believe so firmly that what I have is not enough, that they're willing to borrow from tomorrow to make it the reality today that they have this thing that they, they truly need. But we know it's not true. It's this elusive pursuit to be content in the things of this world. And people are always searching for this meaning, this purpose, this value, and this completeness in the things around them. And unfortunately, they keep filling their lives in those voids with those things that will ultimately just lead towards more discontentment. And we learn as a Christian that contentment goes well beyond yourself yourself. It goes well beyond this life in this world. But we learn that contentment can only be found in Jesus. And this idea of contentment is this distinguishing value, this distinguishing virtue for a Christian. That all we truly need is Jesus. And if we have Jesus, we have all we need. Contentment is something we spend our lives learning And no matter what path you follow, you're always going to come to the same conclusion as a Christian. The only thing that makes us complete and content is Jesus. that's kind of the backdrop of what we're about to read in Philippians 4, that Paul had been on his own journey, and that was the conclusion he came to as well. So let's read together Philippians 4, verses 10 through 13. I rejoiced greatly in the Lord, that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. Whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. The first point we come to is really the title of the sermon today, that contentment is a learned virtue. It's not something that we're given, it's not something we discover, but it's this process through our faith that we learn to be content in the right things. And to give you some backdrop of what's happening here, you truly have to understand the Apostle Paul and his story, his journey, and why it's amazing for him to say something like, I'm not in need. And I've found and I've learned that, to be, that I can be content in whatever the circumstances. And Where is Paul right now as he's writing this letter to the Church of Philippians? He's in jail, he's in house arrest. He's chained to these palace guards, and he got here because he's been convicted, or rather he's been charged with a crime that he did not even commit. They attempted to convict him of a death sentence in Jerusalem, and now he's, he's under appeal to the emperor in Rome, and who is the Roman emperor at this point? Nero, Christian killer Nero, who loves to see these Christians suffer. So things are looking bleak for Paul. Right? And in an earthly sense, there's there's not really a way out of this that it doesn't end poorly. And yet he says this that I am not in any kind of need right now, because I've learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. It's an amazing statement. And it's one that Paul had spent a lifetime learning. That contentment is this idea that it comes through a process of maturing. And through the ups and the downs and the, and the having and the have not and, and all of these, these uh, mountain tops and valleys that, that Paul has experienced, he's now maturing through it and saying, I have everything I need. And I think one of the key parts of learning contentment is understanding the difference between wants and needs. And that contentment means you understand that at any moment, you have everything you truly need. You almost certainly don't have everything you want. You probably don't have everything you think you need. But as long as you are obedient to Christ, there's this faith and there's this peace that he is giving you everything you need exactly when you need it. See, discontentment is this idea that focuses on all of the things you don't have. And we live in this day and age where it becomes very easy to see what you don't have. Social media is going to be something that will be very interesting to see how it forms these generations, especially the younger generations, that at any moment you could log on and you can see all of the greatest moments of your peers. And you can see that I'm not at the same status of life as them, or they got this break that I didn't have, or this person has the wealth or the means to do whatever they want, And here I am, stuck. feels like I'm always suffering and never gaining a head. And you can become discontentment because you so easily see all the stuff you don't have. But contentment recognizes all of the things you've been given. And again, that's a key to gratitude and thanksgiving as we're going to be talking about next week. But here's Paul who said, all of the things I used to care about, I don't care about anymore. All I really want is to share Jesus. I just want people to know Christ like I know Christ. That's the only thing that gives me value and fulfillment in this life. And he has that opportunity here in prison. What we read earlier in the book of Philippians is is that this actually worked out way better than he thought. This wasn't the missionary journey he had planned. This wasn't the people he was hoping to reach. But now because he's imprisoned, he's chained to these palace guards, which largely are not approachable to the general person, who have high positions of, uh, of power and influence in the Roman capital, He's chained to them, telling them all about Jesus for six to eight or ten hours at a time. They're forced to listen to him. And he's saying the whole palace guard, which could be hundreds or thousands of these men, are learning about Jesus, and they're bringing it back to their families. He's saying this isn't what I thought I needed. This isn't even what I wanted, but God knew this is what was needed. And so I have no desire Because as long as I'm obedient to God, he's going to give me exactly what I need when I need it. There's that moment for all of us that we create for us, ourselves, this path that we need to follow in order to be happy and content. But then when you delight yourself in God and you trust him for all of his provision when you're obedient, you find it often goes in a different direction but you remain content in that, because you can trust that he will always provide all that you need. See, the worldly idea is that you you start with your perceived needs and your wants and your desires, and then you create for yourself a path to that happiness. We never will learn contentment in that way, though, because whatever you think you need, you probably don't truly need. And so when things don't go the way you had planned, you start to get frustrated. You get discontent and and angry at God. But the reality is you weren't following God, you were following you. Contentment is learned through obedience. And so for the Christian, we learn that we we follow Christ first. And along the way, he's going to give you everything you need when you need it even more actually than you could even ask for or imagine. And so we see that same idea that when when Paul goes forward in the text here down to verse 19, he's talking about all the ways that they had been supporting him through the years, that they had been providing the needs when he needed it. And he gives this bit of encouragement to them in verse 19. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory In Christ Jesus. That really shows that everything you truly need is within God's power and His wealth to give to you. None of it is a stretch for Him. But it's this trust and this peace that He's giving you exactly what you need when you need it. So, contentment, as you learn it, is this perspective shift in life. We have all these moments that help us understand what we truly have and how many blessings we can count. And there's a story I stumbled upon recently. Uh, this, this, this man who did a short term mission trip in the Caribbean and one of the uh, missions uh, items was to, to minister to this leper colony and leprosy is still very much alive uh, around parts of the world but especially in the Caribbean. And he's leading worship here for all these lepers and he was taking requests from them, and this woman comes up that, that was severely disfigured. Ears were gone, lips were gone, nose was gone. And she said, could we sing Count Your Many Blessings? That moment was really pivotal for him, and in fact, he couldn't even make it through the song without weeping. And one of his partners said to them, are you ever gonna be able to sing that song again? He said, I'll sing that song many times, but never in the same way. We learn contentment apart from our circumstances. and There's this attitude that no matter where you are, if you have Jesus, you have all you need. And that's the second point we saw today, is that contentment is not circumstantial, right? We always set for ourselves, again, this path towards happiness and fulfillment, and so we're putting contingencies on our contentment if things follow the path we have decided. We look for these things that will make us content, and we just work hard and work hard and work hard to make those things happen. So the worldly perspective of contentment is is really this. If I only had blank, then I would be content. And right, if we're honest today, all of us have something we fill in that blank with, probably many things, and whatever we put in that blank today is, is almost certainly going to be different a year from now and a year from then. We're always chasing these things that if we just had the different job or the different boss with the higher pay or the bigger house with the extra bedroom and bathroom, then we'll be, we'll be content but you, you continue to chase those things over and over again, finding that there is no end. In a quote I've shared a couple of times in, in sermons here in the past, I believe, you'll probably know, but I've never really given it the proper setup to understand why this quote really reveals why this worldly perspective doesn't work. And, and the man is John D. Rockefeller, who many of you know the name. He was this man, an oil tycoon who was wealthy beyond all imagination. Okay? In the early 1900s, he had hundreds of millions of dollars to his name, which in today's day and age, adjusted through inflation, is $400 billion that he personally had in assets. And to put that in perspective, uh, we're talking about like Elon Musk and uh, uh, Bill Gates. This is two or three times as much money as, as they have. So, This is probably, in his own time, the richest person that's ever existed in the world. And towards the end of his life, a newspaper journalist was really recapping all of these things and says, John, you've got more money than you could ever imagine. And you're able to to literally purchase anything you could ever want. So what more could you possibly desire? And the legacy of John D. Rockefeller was... Just a little bit more. Just a little bit more. See, that's how this works. That's how contentment works when you view it in this lens. If you can convince yourself that that one thing is going to fulfill you, it might for a moment, but it won't forever. And so I have, hopefully, some truth you need to hear today. And it's truth that I have to remind myself of often. That whatever you're putting in that line... All right, if you're not content right now, then you won't be content then. Contentment has nothing to do with our circumstance. But for the Christian, they understand the, the biblical perspective is that God has already given me everything I need right now to be content. If you have Jesus, you have all you need for contentment. And so if you live in that first perspective, you're always going to be asking the hard questions of life. Why did this happen to me? Why didn't it go the way I thought it should go? You're always going to be frustrated because there's no real answer to that question. We don't really know how God works or why he works. And I have the pleasure of working through a lot of these tough situations with you all. Okay, but I rarely will say this is how I believe God will work through it because we just can't know. And God works in specific ways in every situation according to his will and perfect knowledge and his perfect timing. Contentment really is this attitude of saying God is God and we are not. We can't know his ways, but we can trust him along the way. So if you're trying to be God in your own life and determining for yourself what will make you complete, you're always going to be miserable and dissatisfied. You weren't created to run the universe, or even this tiny slice of the universe called your life. Everything, including your life, belongs to God. And you'll only find contentment when you surrender it all for Him. And that's where we see, really, this this verse 12 coming into play. Paul has learned that lesson. And now we're taught this through the word of God, that he knows what it is to have the ups and the downs. He knows what it is to be in need. He knows what it is to have plenty. And the secret is to be content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, living in plenty or in want This is contentment. And again, this is the man who's experienced the highest of highs, where at one point in his life, apart from Christ, he was on a one-track to high priest. He had the, the wealth and the power and the influence and the respect or the fear of many. There's nothing he couldn't achieve. It was only after he became a Christian and surrendered his life to God, now in an earthly sense, it seems like all of that was taken away. And he, he talks about all of these sufferings he experienced in his life in, in the book of 2 Corinthians. There's these threats and these attacks, these imprisonments, beatings, physical illness, danger, hunger, etc., etc. It goes on. But he also reflects in the book of Philippians all of the greatest parts of the life, the things he should boast in. You know and he says about that? He says, all of these great things, in an earthly sense... Whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. And what is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. See, being content in any circumstance is learning that whatever you need, if you're obedient to Christ, you already have, or you'll have it exactly when you need it. You have everything you need to be content right now. And if you're not, please don't blame God. Everything we need is Jesus. And as we understand in the last verse here that contentment is made possible through Christ. And that's the true message today that we can do all this through Christ who gives us strength. Now, contentment is easy when the sun is shining and it's 71 degrees out. Everything is comfortable and easy, but the true miracle of contentment is when you are going through the difficulties of life. You know, comparatively, a lot of the, quote, difficulties we face are not real difficulties. It was what we call first world problems, right? TV's not big enough, the washer-dryer broke, or they didn't have my favorite style of chicken on the menu. But I'm not saying that to make light of the true situations we have. And even in this congregation, there's many hardships that we're facing, And I think it's one thing to say on a Sunday morning we should be content in all circumstances. It's a totally another thing to live it out there. And you say, am I I really supposed to be content when the house burns down? When the family member dies? When the test comes back and says there's cancer? Am I really supposed to be content in that? What earthly sense does that make? And the answer is none, none. It makes no earthly sense to be content in that. And that's the true miracle of contentment is that we can do all of this through Christ who gives us strength. And this verse is one that's so often taken out of context that if you view this the wrong way, it actually leads you towards discontentment. And we spoke about that in our misconception series that you could view this and say what it's really saying in some translations, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. It means I can do whatever I want, whatever I feel like is best through through the strength of Jesus. And if you really believe that, you're going to be frustrated and discontent. What this verse is saying is that no matter what happens, no matter how rough it feels, no matter how grim the circumstances, at least in an earthly perspective, by the power of Christ, I can remain content in it and make it through. No matter what comes my way, I can be satisfied in Christ. And that shows us that that contentment has nothing to do with us. It's not about our own sufficiency, but rather the sufficiency of Jesus. Not in our power, but his. And his unfailing belief that, that God never promised it would be easy but he did promise it would always be possible through him. The lyrics we sang this morning, or that we heard this morning through special music, I'm gonna just reread them here because it's just a perfect song to set up. That God hath not promised skies always blue, flowers strewn pathways all our lives through. God hath not promised sun without rain, joy without sorrow, Peace without pain, but God hath promised strength for the day, rest for the labor, light for the way, grace for the trials, help from above, unfailing kindness, and undying love. Whatever it is you're going through, you can do it through the power of Christ. You can remain content in it, not through your abilities but the strength of Christ in you. So what does that mean for us today? What does it mean to really be content in Christ? Well, I think it just starts with this this faith that if you know Jesus, you have a God who hears you, who knows every need before you even ask of it, and that you have this, this new life that's rooted in his love and his grace, and that there's this vast power of the Holy Spirit who works in you. And that through it all you have this joyful assurance of heaven in front of you. That no matter what you're going through now, nothing can rob from anything that I just described. And you can remain contentment, content in that. That a content heart is only for those who know Jesus because they believe what we're told is true. It's this faith that if I follow, my, follow Christ, that if I'm devoted to him first and delight myself in him, that he's faithful to supply everything we have ever needed. We're going to close in a song this morning, one that, that we all know, Great is Thy Faithfulness, that, that really I hope we sing together as we say, All I have needed, his hand has provided. And it's this faith that no matter where we are and our hardships and our struggles and the messiness of life, that God will provide. You know, provide exactly what you need, exactly when you need it, and that we can be content in him. Let's stand together. I'm gonna pray for us before we sing. Lord, I thank you for the promises that you have given us. And God, I pray that we could be Faithful to live those promises day by day that we can learn to be content, whatever the circumstances. And the miracle, Lord, is that we can be content through your power and through your strength. So, God, may we just stop trying so hard to develop for ourselves this sense of happiness and completeness. And now, just trust wholly in you, place our faith in you, and value you above all else, that, Lord, there's nothing in this world that can separate us from your love, that nothing can take away what you've given us, and that, Lord, would be enough for us to have the faith that you have provided all we need, and you'll always stay faithful to us. We pray these things in your name, Jesus. Amen.